One day I was sitting in my room and I didn't know what I was gonna do So I picked up my phone and I said at last I think I'll make my own podcast It's the No Content 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 Podcast I got no content I got no contempt. I got no contempt on my no contempt podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the No Contempt Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you're having a good day today. And I think it may just be about to get that much better because I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited about the topic material. And we're going to get into some good stuff today. And I want to say this right off the bat today. God wants to have a relationship with you. God is not somebody who's just off in the distance, just kind of staring at you and seeing how you're going to live your life. No, he wants to be intimately involved with everything that concerns you, everything that is a part of who you are and and your life. He loves you. He wants to have that intimate fellowship with you, as 1 John says, and as John 15 says, that abiding in the vine. He wants that intimacy with you. There's a lot of people who are looking for fulfillment and satisfaction in romantic relationships or in friendships or in business or in different things like that. And those things are all good and they have their place. There's nothing wrong with those things. Um, But there's something on the inside of us that can only be filled with a relationship with God and with that intimacy with God. And and the heart of man is crying out for that intimacy with him because God created us for that. And there's nothing that can take that place. So I just want to encourage you today. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to commune with you. And there's nothing in this world that will satisfy you like having that living communion with him. It's not about religion. It's not about performance. It's about that relationship. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but don't let it be cliche to you because it's so real. It's so true. And it's the answer to so many things that people deal with is having that relationship with God. And uh, there's nothing that will make life as rich as having a rich relationship with him. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you're dating or who you're married to. It doesn't matter what your status is in life. Listen, if you don't have that living communion with him, it won't mean anything. It'll be empty. It'll be barren. But with God, man, he makes every other part of your life rich. And I'm going to do a podcast about that soon. But I just wanted to say that right off the bat today. Today's topic is fun and exciting. Also a little bit controversial. And let's be honest, if it wasn't, would it be fun and exciting? I don't know. But We're going to find out. The title of this podcast is The Kingdom of Good News. I want to talk about good news today. I want to talk about the gospel and what the gospel is. Um, The basics of the gospel that, that, you know, are pretty much universally agreed upon within the body of Christ is that man is sinful and there is a punishment and wrath for sin, but Jesus died and rose again so that we could be redeemed from that sin and from the power of sin and so that we would not have to go to hell, go to the place where God prepared for the devil and his angels. And because that's a part of the inheritance of people who give themselves over to the devil and don't receive the free gift of salvation. And Jesus is the only bridge to the Father. There's no other bridge to the Father but Jesus. 
and but it's a free gift. It's a toll free bridge, and um, anybody can can come to the Father if they'll just come through Jesus. And that's some good news. I mean, if you didn't know anything else about the gospel, that's some good news right there. And I'm so thankful for that. But I want to get into, is the gospel limited to that? And I've heard some people recently say that we need the gospel plus nothing. In other words, we just need the basic message of the gospel and being a Christian, and we need to strip away anything that has been added to it. And I agree. I mean, if it's not a part of the gospel, I mean, it's not a part of the gospel, and we shouldn't add anything to the gospel. But I do feel like there is some ignorance in what is being said there because of not knowing what the gospel is. And I'm going to go ahead and make a statement to you. The gospel is an all-inclusive gospel. It is the good news. It means there is no better news than this. And I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to get into why that is. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, it says, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So we know that he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about being justified by faith. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about us. This is a New Testament chapter and a New Testament book written by a New Testament apostle to New Testament believers. And he says this, watch this, God foreseeing that preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, so we're talking about the gospel here. This is a New Testament reference to the gospel. And watch what he said to Abraham, quote, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a modern day gospel message. I've never seen a chick track that said, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. But he says that this is how God preached the gospel to Abraham. Verse nine says, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Down in verse 13, this is a very important verse for where we're going today. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Watch this, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this blessing is a part of the gospel. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how you could read that and not see that. Um, it's pretty clear, even in the King James Bible. And, you know, that's saying something because there's a lot of things in the original King James that, you know, tend to pass the modern natural mind. But even in the King James, it's pretty clear that this blessing is a part of the gospel. Well, then you must ask, what is this blessing? What is the blessing? And what is the curse of the law that we're redeemed from? Well, I started out saying that we're redeemed from sin and, and, and the effects of sin and the bondage of sin. But he also says we're redeemed from this curse of the law. Well, I have some homework for you if you're so inclined. And if you're wondering, go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it lists all of the blessing and all of the curse. And it tells us exactly what it is. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you just a little bit here. All of the curse is full of poverty, sickness, weakness, mental illness, problems in your relationships, all these things. But the blessing 
is full of health, healing, success, abundance, and all these good things. Now, here is where I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers, but that's okay. I think feathers were meant to be ruffled, if we're being honest. But he says that we've been redeemed from this curse. Now, I know a lot of people will immediately say, well, if that's true, why, why do so many people still deal with sickness and disease and, and poverty and things like that? Well, I would ask you the same question about sin. I mean, have you dealt with anything from sin in this past week? Have you dealt with pressure or temptation to sin this past week? I know I have. So we've been redeemed from the bondage of sin, and yet we still deal with it all the time because the world is full of sin and the pressure of sin, and we still live in these earthen vessels, as Second Corinthians 4 says. But it also says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the, the power may be of God and not of us. So we have these vessels and these bodies, and they are susceptible to the cursed atmosphere of this world, and yet we're redeemed from this. Yet we're redeemed from these things. So redemption doesn't guarantee that we'll never have to deal with them. It's just the answer and the cure when we do deal with them. All right, we're getting into it already. In Isaiah 61 and Luke 4.18, they coincide because Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to preach recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, I can't read that without getting stirred up. People will say, well, the gospel is just the gospel. And yet Jesus lists all these different assets are these different aspects of what the gospel is. He's not just being redundant here and using different words to describe the same exact thing. He's saying this is what the gospel includes. This is what I'm anointed to do. And there's all these different things in there. Now, I've heard this say before, what is good news to the poor? Well, that you don't have to keep being poor. Now, I know that the people will say, well, that's just talking about spiritual poverty. Well, of course it is. But I will argue with you that natural poverty is just a fruit and a symptom of spiritual poverty. Now, I'm not saying that if you are dealing with uh, trouble in your finances or you're dealing with issues or poverty in the natural, that's a signal that you're not spiritually rich. No, we know that's not true. We know that Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state that I'm in. And you can be blessed and rich spiritually and not have a dime to your name. But... We also do know that poverty in and of itself in the world is a symptom of the curse because of Deuteronomy 28. So, like I said, not saying that there's anything wrong with you if you're dealing with something or that you're, that's a signal of your spiritual condition. Not at all. Absolutely not. Listen, I'm not wealthy, um, economically speaking, but I will be bold enough to say I'm blessed. We're getting ahead here. Let me, let me run it back. Let me take it back here. In Romans 2, 4, it says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. The goodness of God. Now, the way a lot of people preach, you'd think the wrath of God leads men to repentance. Well, there's some truth to that. And there is an element of the wrath of God that does provoke repentance. And there are other verses to support that. But I want to emphasize this to you today today. 
This verse says that the goodness or the kindness of God leads men to repentance. Well, the goodness of God, the glory of God, that word goodness, if you look up the word glory, it means heavy with everything good. So, and then I mentioned how we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The Bible talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. Romans 8 talks about how the whole creation groans and travails um, for the unveiling of the sons of God. What is this? It's the glory, the goodness of God. God is the God of good news. You know, the Bible talks about in Philippians, whatever is of good report, we should think on these things. Joshua and Caleb, back in the book of Exodus, they were bearers of good news, even in the face of adversity. They were, they were people who, even though there was challenges, even though there was a threat, they, they came with good news to the people and said, hey, listen, not only is this a good land, but God's going to help us get there. He's going to help us overcome. They were full of good news. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who claim to be preaching the gospel but they're missing one really important ingredient. You know what that ingredient is? Good news. Now, granted, they're preaching the good news of, of Jesus and his sacrifice and redemption from sin, which, like I said, is plenty of good news in and of itself. But it's like they stop there. And after that, it's like that's the only good news. Everything else is just bad news. Well, Jesus did say that we would be persecuted. He did say we would have trouble. But, you know, Psalm says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. And, you know, Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So let me ask you this. Where is the cheer? Where is the joy? Where is the good news? And, and, and a lot of people get criticized because they're preaching joy. They're preaching People are getting excited about what they're saying. People are getting expectations up, and they act like that's not good. I heard some pe- somebody say it like this, that the kingdom of God is not six flags over Jesus. Well, I would, I would disagree with that. I would say that the kingdom of God is exactly like six flags, just better. Um, because there's nothing wrong with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is heavy with everything good, the glory of God. But Jesus didn't say... In the kingdom, you'll have tribulation. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Now, I've already talked about the curse. I've already talked about the curse that's in this world. But Jesus didn't say, in the kingdom, you'll have tribulation. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. So, the kingdom of God is not the problem. Jesus said to pray that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no poverty. There's no lack. There's no struggle. There's no pain. So why would Jesus tell us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Think about it. Well, obviously, we deal with these things on earth. I've already dealt with that. But yet we're told to pray that the atmosphere of heaven would be manifested on earth. Well, I've already gotten into this a little bit, but that's the unveiling of the sons of God. That's that glory of God that's in these earthen vessels. That's what creation is groaning for, the atmosphere of heaven, where where sickness is dealt with, where poverty is dealt with, where pain and, and sorrow is dealt with. You know, I'm about to get into this, but the Bible says in Psalm 16 that in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Well, that sounds a whole lot like a spiritual six flags to me. 
but it's not in the world, it's in the kingdom. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. So the question isn't whether or not it's God's will for us to experience the goodness of the kingdom. It's whether or not we're manifesting the kingdom on earth. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what it meant when Jesus said a city on a hill cannot be hid. And not to be a basket head. We're supposed to let that light shine because the goodness of God, the goodness of the kingdom, the goodness of the gospel, the good news is what leads men to repentance. Now, I know there's a sober side to this. I know that there is a somber, serious side to this. And we can't back off from that. We can't, we can't act like that doesn't exist because that's the truth. But the bad news is only for people who reject the good news. Oh, come on. The bad news is only for those who reject the good news. And anything that is negative for believers, the Bible says that it, it, the, it can't be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. The, the, the trials of, of today cannot be compared to the glory that is being revealed in us. That's this manifestation of the sons of God, this goodness, this kindness. Oh, come on now. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now, it comes back to abiding in Him. That comes back to being in Him, having that relationship with Him. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he said, cheer up. Be encouraged. Stop being in a bad mood. You know, that's one thing that it kind of bothers me with some people, some preachers, is that they, they're preaching this sober, somber message, and they're criticizing other preachers who are not doing that and maybe have kindness and encouragement and, and are preaching what they call a seeker-friendly gospel. But I would ask these other people, where's the joy? Where's the peace? I mean, the Bible says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his brethren. Now, he had some serious moments. He had some moments of rebuke. He had some moments of saying some other things, but that wasn't his whole life. I mean, Paul's the one who said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You know, I, I can think of people in my life, my pastor and things like that, who there are moments when some of their messages have felt like heart surgery that have made my flesh squirm like a worm. Like, I mean, there's, and yet they have this joy about them. They have this peace about them. They have this gladness. They're not afraid to laugh. They don't think it's evil to laugh in church, and neither does God. God is a God of joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace. And Jesus did not say that in me you'll have a somber, sober attitude. He said you'll have peace. And yeah, you'll have trouble in the world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Listen, Jesus said that trouble comes from the world. And in 1 John 5, we know that faith overcomes the world. Listen, there's no trouble in the kingdom of God. There's no pain, no sickness, no weakness. These are things in the world. It's true that we don't have a guarantee of no challenges. Yes, Satan is in the world. But we are told that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that we have overcome them. So yes, there's challenges, just like the Avengers. You know, they always have an enemy. They've got to fight. But they always get the victory, though. And we are guaranteed victory. Through him, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I've heard, I've heard people say Jesus didn't preach the way these, you know, these other preachers do. Maybe they're referring to some well-known preachers or faith preachers or things like that. 
And listen, I know that there's some people who are, are just focused on being seeker friendly and they're more concerned about getting people in the church than they are about getting the truth into the people. I know that. I understand that. But I'm going to make this statement to you as well. God is seeker friendly. <laughs> he said in Hebrews that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So be careful about criticizing just seeker friendly because God's seeker friendly when it's genuine and when they're hungry for God. And I know there are some people who don't want God and they just want to be entertained. I understand that. And those are issues and those are problems. But we got to be careful about, you know, there are always tares among good wheat. And you don't want to just judge somebody based on outward appearance or just because the size of their church or the tone of voice they use when they preach. Anyway. Now, but I've heard people say Jesus did not preach the way some of these faith preachers do and some of these different people and things like that. Well, that's I don't think that's true because you have to look more at a lot of the stuff he said to say that. I mean, you have to overlook it, rather, is what I mean to say. You also have to look at who he was talking to at the times when he wasn't very positive. Most of the time when he was being harsh and corrective, he was talking to unbelievers and Pharisees who were hard-hearted and who opposed the gospel, who opposed his ministry, who were trying to silence the gospel. He didn't preach that way to the people that were coming to hear. He didn't preach that way to the people that were hungry to hear his words. He preached good news. He, he, I mean, you know, he didn't preach harshly toward the sinners that were coming to be healed and to be set free. He, he had a gracious attitude toward them. It was the people who were hard-hearted and opposed to the good news that he didn't like. In fact, while we're on that subject, when he was going to heal somebody— and he knew that the Pharisees were waiting to see if he would heal them so they could accuse him. The Bible says their hard heart toward healing made him angry. Now, I'm not going to get too far into that, but if you have a hard heart toward people who preach healing, you got to be careful because the Bible says that's what made Jesus angry because he was mad that they didn't want to see that person get healed, that they cared more about accusing Jesus than they did about seeing people get healed and set free and delivered. All right, well, we're wading into some water right there. I'm going to let that beef jerky just sit on the counter, and you can chew it if you want. But anyway. <laughs> and also, he didn't talk harshly to his own disciples except for a couple specific times when he was correcting something. He, he preached good news to them all the time. I mean, he told them, No man who has left father or mother or anything for my sake in the Gospels will not receive a hundredfold in this life. And he, and he goes on to list all those things. Well, you know, oh, okay. Je Jesus um, gave Peter more instruction, um, I'm sorry, gave him instruction on more than one occasion that is recorded that led to massive financial blessing and increase. In Luke, 10, or in Luke 5, we see that. Later in John 21, we see that. And why? I thought Jesus was against that stuff. Well, Jesus told us in Luke, like I just said, that there is nobody who has left anything for my sake that won't receive a hundredfold. And he goes on to list each thing specifically in this life. Now, listen, I'm not saying that the, the gospel is all about all this stuff. or all that. No, I'm not saying that. That stuff won't satisfy you. I started the podcast saying that. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. And it doesn't mean it's not God's will to bless his children with healing, with ability, with resources, with things like that. God does not want a broken, weak church. 
Now, there's no condemnation on anybody who is experiencing financial weakness or physical weakness. No, 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 no. That's just your natural vessel. But there's a glory of God that's on the inside of you that if you'll keep feeding that glory, if you'll keep pursuing his presence, that glory will rise up in you and and it will manifest into those things eventually. Now, it's not about that. It's not all about money. It's not all about natural things. And I'm not saying that. I'm going to keep emphasizing that that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there is something greater on the inside of you. And it is God's will for us to be strong, to to have ability. And that's the kind of, that's the glory of God produces that. Every time in the Bible where the glory of God was in manifestation, people got healed, people got delivered, people got set free. You can't deny that. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Anyway, all right. Jesus was full of good news for his followers. Now, sometimes he corrected people, absolutely. And there's times where he said things that people didn't want to hear and they walked away. But that wasn't his fault. That was their choice. It's true that we will face persecution, but not from Jesus. Persecution comes from the enemy. And since when are God and Satan working together? I mean, think about it. Like I said, Psalm says the afflictions of the righteous are many, but God delivers them out of all of them. Now, I've heard people say this. (laughs) <laughs> healing is an inheritance for the future in heaven. It's not for now. Prosperity is not for now. But Jesus called healing the children's bread, not a future inheritance. Beside that, we don't need healing in heaven because there won't be any sickness. Where we need it is right here on earth. That's like saying God is saving a bunch of money for us in heaven. Well, we won't need money there. The only time we'll ever need it is here in this life. And God said it in Matthew 6 that he knows that we have need of these things. I've heard people say, you know, um, the kingdom is not, oh, I said this already, it's not like six flags, but that's exactly what it is. The kingdom is pure joy. His presence is fullness of joy. It's the world that has the problems. And we are told to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the Bible talks about days of heaven on earth in the Old Testament. Well, what would, what would heaven on earth look like? I mean, think about it. I mean, if in heaven there's joy, there's peace, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no poverty, what would heaven on earth look like? I would imagine it would look a whole lot like heaven. But, and that's a whole, comes back to us manifesting the goodness and the glory of God here on earth. And there are some very serious and sober things to discuss for those who reject the kingdom. But even with the persecution we endure as believers, Paul calls it light and momentary, and we can still be blessed in the midst of it. For us, it's really all good news. And I want to say a couple more things to you, and then I'm going to be done. You know, people don't emphasize enough of the sweet side of God. We talk about the wrath of God. We talk about, you know, correction. We talk about these things, and those are all important, and we need those. But you know that God is sweet. There is a sweet side of God. God is not just all sober and somber and hard and harsh and just... No, there's a sweet side of God. And I've heard people say this, you know, we can't sugarcoat the gospel. I'm going to make a statement to you. We don't need to sugarcoat the gospel. The gospel is the sweetest thing that there is. I mean, I'm thinking of a few verses right here in Psalm 119, 103. It says, how sweet are your words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. In Psalm 19, it talks about how... Uh, God's commandments are more to be desired than gold and sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And you know, in Nehemiah, it talks about how the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it says, go your way, eat what is good, drink what is sweet, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's this sweet side of God that people don't want to talk about for some reason. 
or people who do talk about it get criticized and say, oh, it's just a, a sugar-coated gospel or it's a seeker-friendly gospel. But listen, like I said, God is seeker-friendly and he's sweet. He's kind. He's gentle. There is this sweet side of God. His love is sweet. His presence is sweet. The Bible says his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. It's, it's so much sweeter than anything on this earth. But he's sweet. He's kind. There's this sweet side of God. Why don't we talk about that more? How is it preaching the real gospel and the real good news to not talk about the sweet, kind side of God more? I mean, that's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's this, I mean, God created watermelons. He created strawberries. He created these things that are sweet. He could have made them just bland and bitter, but he didn't. God's created many sweet things, and he made them that way for a reason, because he's a good God, because he loves us. And I want to address something I saw the other day that somebody wrote that they compared believing for healing, believing for um, ability and things like that to the prodigal son wanting his inheritance too soon. And, and like, that's a greedy thing. And that if we were really humble and weren't greedy, then we wouldn't want healing in this life. We wouldn't want um, to be blessed. We wouldn't want any of that stuff. And, you know, and that that's like greed. Well, first of all, um, like I said this earlier, if healing was an inheritance for the future, well, we don't need healing in heaven because we won't have any sickness. The only place we would need healing is now. I mean, you know, the Bible says that by his wounds, we have been healed. And in Matthew 8, it clarifies very clearly that that's referring to natural sickness because it's in a context of when Jesus healed natural sickness. Listen, Jesus, nobody ever came to Jesus in faith and they went away sick. Not one time. There are times when it says he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. And there's times when he says, oh, I'm, I need to go to this town or I need to go to that town. But that's just what his assignment was. I mean, you know, we can't, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel and we can't be everywhere at once. Even Jesus couldn't be everywhere at once. He was in an earthly body. And he had its limitations. That's the only way he would be able to identify with us and our weaknesses. So he had to go where his heavenly father told him to go. But there were people all over the world that needed the gospel. And yet he didn't preach to them. Well, that doesn't prove God doesn't want them to have it. It just, that wasn't his assignment right then. But I will say this, you know, to compare the prodigal son to that, really there's a lot of flaws with that. Because first of all, when the Bible says that he went and wasted his inheritance, it's talking about sin. And just like Proverbs talks about wasting your substance on strangers, the prodigal son went and lived a life of sin apart from the father. And he wasted his inheritance on that. Well, you can't compare that with, with believing God for healing or believing God for provision. And I'll prove it to you. The pro prodigal son didn't experience sickness or poverty. Watch this until he left the father's house. Oh, glory to God. When he left the father's house is when he experienced the problems and the sickness and the poverty. But if he had stayed at the father's house, he said, I'll go back and be a servant because even my father's servants have more than enough. So if his servants had more than enough, how much more were the children in that household provided for? 
And as soon as he came back to the father's house, he was clothed in rich apparel. He was given a ring that represented his status as a son. He was given shoes on his feet. And the father made a feast for him. And not just any feast, an expensive feast. And he did all these things for him. Well, to say that that healing and all these things is not a part of our inheritance. Now, listen. You can't use the prodigal son to say that because when he was at the father's house, he wasn't weak. He wasn't broken. He, and he had all his needs met. Everything was in the father's house. See, this is the goodness of God. This is the glory of God. When you are abiding in him, he first meets the needs on the inside, but he'll meet the needs in your body as well. He will meet your financial needs as well. He'll take care of you. He said he would. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. He said he would. He said, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. But the prodigal son left the father's house, and that's why he experienced all the problems. But if you'll stay in the father's house, there is provision there. There is healing already there. You just got to stay in the father's house. The problem with the prodigal son is that he left the father's house because the father said to the son that was jealous, he said, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is available to you. Oh, glory to God. Man, it's in the father's house. It's, it's there. It's there already. And, you know, I'll say this. It's easy to build doctrines when, you know, you go time after time not seeing things and not experiencing things. But the Bible talks about not casting away your confidence because you have need of patience to receive the promise of God. I know things don't manifest right away. But, you know, Proverbs 20, I think it was twenty nine twenty says, Without vision, people perish. So here's the thing I want to emphasize. Whenever you unhook from the Father's house, whenever you unhook from the place that God has put you, the body of believers, and the people and the anointings that He's joined you to, that you've received from in the past— what you're doing is you're cutting off your vision. And if Satan can cut off your vision for healing, for, uh, for the things that you're believing for, your, for the dreams that God has put in your heart, because he said if you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. If he can cut you off from that, he can, he can keep the manifestation from coming, even if it's been a long time, because if he can cut the vision off, he can cut the manifestation off. And this is why it's important not to unhook from the people, from the, the church, from the friends that have encouraged and, and spoken into your life, words of life, words of peace, words of hope and expectation, because it cuts off that vision and that expectation. And, and quite frankly, if, if, if Satan can get that, he can make it never come to pass, never happen. But if you'll stay hooked where God has you, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 68, 6, God sets the solitary in families and he brings out those who are bound into prosperity and freedom. Um, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And if you cut yourself off from the body of believers, the family that he places you in, you can cut yourself off from that, that hope and that expectation that will eventually lead to manifestation. But it's up to each one of us to decide to be, to stay hooked in that. And Satan wants to offend. He wants to separate. He wants to use, you know, well-constructed arguments and stuff to separate us from the people God has joined us to, from the anointing. But God says that's where the prosperity is. That's where the blessing is. That's where the, the, the vision and the life is. And even if we haven't seen things yet, it doesn't change God's will. I know people 
who have been given 10 months to live from cancer and they believed God and they stood on the word and they were cancer free um, a year later. But then a year after that, the cancer tried to come back and they had to believe God again. And once again, it went away. And then the cancer tried to come back again. Well, what if by the third time they had said, well, you know, this is the third time I've had to deal with this. I, I guess, I guess it's just not God's will for me to be cancer free. I just need to accept that this is the way life is. And one day when I get to heaven, I'll be cancer free. Man, if they had done that, they wouldn't be alive today. They wouldn't be with their family today, and they wouldn't be preaching the gospel and traveling the world the way they are if they had yielded to that. But because they refused to let the curse of this world and its attempts to get in them, they refused to allow that to change what they believe about the will of God. And they're still here, and they're free, and they're healed, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're, and they're traveling, and they're doing things for the kingdom of God. And Satan hasn't been able to take them out and hinder them. So listen, there's no condemnation on anybody for dealing with symptoms. There's no, it's not like, oh, you're not spiritual or you're not blessed if you're dealing with this. Not at all. I'm not saying that. We live in this world. I deal with stuff. But that doesn't change what we believe about the will of God. I want to encourage you, the blessing is a part of the gospel, and the gospel is the good news. God is the God of good news. He's the God of hope. And the Bible says in Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't believe wrong things about God. The Bible says, well, you know, I'm going over my time here just a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I don't care. You know, I was watching this, uh, this show one time, and it was a reality TV show about a family, and the dad was taking all his kids to the dentist. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me while I was watching this, and he said, do you think that's a good dad? And I was like, yeah. He's like, and he's, he's fixing all his kids' teeth. I was like, that's true. He said, if that is a good dad and he's fixing all his kids' teeth, how much more would I fix your teeth? I was dealing with cavities. I was dealing with problems in my mouth at that time, and they were really bothering me. And God was saying, how much more will I fix your teeth for you? like that father. And he brought Matthew 7 to my mind where he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? God is a good God. His goodness leads men to repentance. There's a lot of junk and darkness in this world, but like John Mayer said, keep me where the light is. There's gravity all all around trying to pull me down, but just keep me where the light is because where the light is is where the love is, where the grace is, where the peace is, where the glory of God, which is heaven, with everything good is. My father's house is better than Six Flags. And if I stay in my father's house, there is joy, there is peace, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of temptation, even in the midst of problems, even in the midst of sickness that tries to come on my body, even in the midst of financial difficulties. If I'll stay in my father's house, if I'll abide in the vine, I'll bear fruit and I have a good heavenly father and I don't have to be weak. I don't have to be hindered and I can accomplish everything that God has laid out for me to accomplish. It's not about material things. It's not about greed. It's not about covetousness. Listen, I I endeavor to stay in a place where I would give anything away at any time that God leads me to. But you know what? I also know the nature of God, and I know eventually he'll give me something better because he's a good God, and that's the way he is. Anyway, maybe you received this today, maybe you didn't, but I I just felt like I really needed to, to preach this today, so I hope you got something out of it. This has been the No Content Podcast. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.